morning. Man, y'all, ha- y'all happy this morning. Good deal. So we're going to start from the floor this morning. And if I, and if I need to go to the front, I will. But uh, um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Um, you know, as you turn through Bibles, um, you don't really have a lot of announcements. But one thing that I want to... Um, to keep on the forefront of all our mind is the one thing God's been constantly putting in my heart is the need for us to pray. Amen? And, and he, you know, the constant scripture, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, then I'll heal their land. And, and, and one that, that scripture keeps coming to my mind, but as I look at the face of, um, of our country, look at the face of our communities, I realize that God's people have been prayerless for too long. And we have to go to our knees before our Savior. So the theme for the next, um, really until January, is, is we're, we're going to be praying. We're going to be a praying church. We're gonna, everything's going to be centered around prayer. And so um, I want to challenge you to be praying for our nation. Amen? Amen. Especially as we go forward um, the next couple of months. I'll be praying that God puts the people he wants in, in there and that uh, God gives us the ability to vote his will and not our own. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get in his word. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your love and your compassion for us. I thank you, God, for, for never giving up on me. Father, we just come to you this morning, uh, God, praying that you would open up our minds. God, praying you would open up our hearts. God, you would open up our understanding so, may, so, do, so that we, we may receive, uh, Lord, just great truth. Lord, that we would, uh, God, that we would really know who you are. Lord, we wouldn't just come and go through these doors, but God, we would, God, we would receive what you have to give us, and God, we would take it out to the world around us. God, plant seeds in our heart. Lord, allow seeds that's been planted years ago to be taken root. And God, I pray that this morning that we would, uh, God, we would just experience your presence in a mighty way. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. We want to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. So, God's given me a lot to share this morning, so we're going to go just as uh, fast as I can and, and as slow as I can. Amen? That makes sense? All right, so Ephesians um, chapter 6, verse 10 says this. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you have which you can extinguish all the fiery flames of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and I pray and pray and pray and pray in the spirit 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I may fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Man, I love that section of scripture. Amen? I love it. And, and, and what's cool about this is um, I think this is something that's extremely important today, especially in the day we live. But we, we start talking about deep spiritual things. We're talking about things of, of the demonic side of, of life. Uh, we get weirded out a little bit. We, we get scared. We, we, don't, we don't understand, and we try to avoid it because it scares us to death. But we got to remember, right, in Christ, we should fear no man or nothing. Amen? God did not give us a spirit of fear, right? And so we shouldn't walk in that fear all the time. And a lot of times we walk in so much fear. The only thing I should fear is God's judgment. The only thing I should fear is not pleasing God. And if there's anything that I need to do that's going to make me closer to God, it's going to make me able to fight this battle, I don't know about you, but the day that I got saved, from there to now, it's been a fight. It's been a fight, right? Because it's been, I've changed sides. I'm going a different direction. I'm swimming upstream, right? And I've got to be intentional with pursuing God. If not, I'll let everything else hit me and, I, and it'll take me away. There's a many of good man and woman who, who had the right intentions of wanting to follow Jesus but got caught up in the current of the world and got swept away. And the way we keep, the way we don't get swept away, the way we be intentional, the way we're continually following God, we've got to realize that there is somebody out there that hates us and wants us, and that is Satan. We have a real enemy. We have a real enemy that's out to get us. We have a real enemy that wants to, to, to destroy us, right? you got to realize that who you're fighting against to understand how to fight the battle. And sometimes it's intense, but it's so easy because you got to understand who you're fighting, but also you got to understand who's on your side. Praise the Lord. You're not fighting for victory, right? You're fighting from victory because Christ has already won. And when, you're when you know that you've already won, you just got these, these, these little instances that he's trying to cast doubt. He's trying to cast confusion. He's trying to make you doubt your salvation and you make you doubt God so that he can get you off the track and back on him. And, and that's what we have to understand, that we have a real enemy that wants to wreck our lives. The Bible says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your passion. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill your purpose. He wants you to be so distraught and discouraged that you don't think you can keep going on. He wants to keep you in a place of discouragement, a place of doubt, so that, so that you won't have the faith to keep taking one foot instead of the other. you just be like, what's the use? Why should, I should go back to where I was because it was easier back there. And to realize that back there was so empty. But right, and right here is so fulfilling, even though you're walking in the middle of hell. See, spiritual warfare is so important to the Christian. Spiritual warfare is so important. 
And, and, and I know, I know that uh, it's, that's, that's, that's different for all of us. I know that. I know we grew up in different backgrounds. I know we grew up in different things, but the Bible is true. I don't care what denomination you're in, right? And we shouldn't shy away from God's truth. And a lot of you, a lot of you here is like, well, you know, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't believe in that whole demonic thing. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that, that, that in demons. I don't believe in those things. Look, I honestly believe that you have encountered demonic things, but your eyes have not been open to those things. I believe that there's things that have come against your life that has been demonic that you have been blinded to. Walking in religion. Religious people don't see the spiritual side of things because they're just going to church and Satan laughs at us and we just go to church. But those of you say that I haven't dealt with it, I don't know what it is, I'll say to you most certainly you probably have and probably more frequently than you would like to understand. Here's the thing. Satan does not care if you recognize him. He don't care if you recognize him because if you don't recognize him, he can destroy you. So many of us are fighting against each other when it's not each other that we should be fighting against. We should be fighting against Satan. We should, have forgotten, we should be fighting against the demonic realm. We should be fighting against the principalities. We should be fighting against those things, not the people. Amen? And I realize this is going to be deep for some of you. But y'all just hang on to the end, all right? And I know some of you are here and you're like, come on, pastor, really? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know demons are real, right? Well, for number one, Jesus believed in them. If you read Jesus' ministry, two-thirds of his ministry was casting out demons and healing sick. And so you cannot take away the spiritual side of realizing there is a demonic force that's trying to get people who are following Jesus. And I'm convinced, church, I'm convinced that the way we keep this corrupting influence, the way we keep this demonic side away from us, the way we keep this out of our life, is that we have to establish every part of our life in Christ. Every part in our life has to be yielded to Jesus. And any part of our life that is not yielded to Jesus gives a door for Satan to come in and destroy your life. The gospel is not to save you. The gospel is to complete you. The gospel is to make you whole in Jesus. And if we're not whole in Christ, then we're allowing Satan to come in. And so you, that's why it's so important that we give everything to him. Every emotion, every feeling, every idea, every thought, every action, everything comes under the authority of Jesus. Your whole identity has to be wrapped up in Christ. That's why so many of us struggle with things. Because our identity is not in Christ. Our identity is our perception. What other people think of us. Our, our identity is what the world thinks of us. Our identity is, is really how successful we think we are. Instead of not getting wrapped up in this world, but getting wrapped up in Jesus, it don't matter what all this stuff happens, what, what happens in this world. Only thing that matters is that we are accepted in Christ and that we are approved in Him. Amen? As long as you keep him at the center of everything, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Now, now hear me. A true born-again believer, follower of Jesus Christ, cannot be possessed by the demonic. But he can be oppressed. You can be oppressed by 
demonic things because what you are oppressed to is what you've opened the door to. If you're walking in sin, you're, you're, you're hanging the carrot and saying, come on in. And so we allow things, we allow, to, we, we allow ourselves to be tormented by demonic things because we are not actively ridding ourselves of sin. We're not actively ridding ourselves of things that don't please God, right? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? Nothing demonic, nothing of Satan, nothing evil can possess a vessel that has the Spirit of God inside of it. That's why it's so important that you know that you know that you're saved, that you know that you're following Christ, that you're full of the Holy Spirit, because if you're full of the Spirit, none of the other stuff can come against you. See, the word demon-possessed talks about the Bible, the biblical word for it says is demonized, okay? Whatever part of you that is not dominated by the gospel has an opportunity to be demonized, to be oppressed, to be brought into a relationship with that. And I know this is it's scary if you think about it, but man, I don't know, maybe y'all call me weird. It gets me excited. It does, because when you see people fighting against demonic things, it makes you realize that, the, that this is real, this is legit, and there's power in the name of Jesus. And when you see people freed from things, it's amazing because it, it gives me jacked up because it shows the power in Christ that we don't see just sitting safe on the chair every Sunday. Amen? See, the man or the woman... I love, watching, I love watching UFC. I love watching it. But they don't win the title if they don't fight the opponent. And some of y'all standing in the corner getting the brakes beat off of you because you won't fight back. I always wondered why God gave me this desire. I just, man, before I knew Jesus, I, I just loved to fight. I just did. I just did. I mean, you cross me, and it's don't, it's don't talk. We'll talk later, all right? After some blood and some teeth hit the ground. Let's talk later. Let's fight it out. And I always wondered about that. God removed that from me. But what he did is he misplaced it. He placed it in a place to where I want to fight Satan. I want to fight against the things that do not please God. Don't come upon me, Satan, and don't come upon me anything that's demonic. I, I want you. I don't want you in my life. I want Christ in my life. So if I'm submitted to Christ... See, when things come against me, it makes me realize the things that I haven't truly yielded to God. So don't think about it as an attack. Think about it as an opportunity to yield more of your life to Jesus. Amen? And so as you think about Paul, he comes in here and he says in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's told him this whole, this whole epistle, and he says, finally be strong in the Lord. Like, listen to what I'm saying. That the last thing somebody tells you is important, right? I remember going to the doctor, and, and, and I, had a, when I had a motorcycle accident, and I totally destroyed my knee. And when you have an orthopedic surgeon that's been doing surgery on knees for 20 years, and he says, your knee has been the most damaged knee I've seen in the whole time I've practiced medicine. And I'm thinking, you're just trying to make me feel bad. You're not telling the truth. He's like, no, I'm telling you, we had to do this, this, and this, and this. And he says, Jeremy, 
He said it in my bed. He got his on his stool. He, he must have talked to my wife to know how hard-headed I am. He wheeled his stool up to my bed, and he looks me dead in the eye. He said, Jeremy, listen to me. I said, yes, sir. He said, no, are you listening to me? It's like, yes, sir. He said, if you don't do what I tell you to do, and you go home and you just do what you want to do, we'll be back on this operating table in two weeks. You want to be back on the operating table? No, sir. Listen to what I have to say. You know what I did? I listened to what he said, and I did what he said do, for the most part. And, 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 and I, because you know why? Because I realized that it was important. See, we've got to realize that Paul put this in the end, realizing this is important to the Christian walk, realizing that it's important to our walk with God. He says, be, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Look, to be strong in the Lord means that I cannot be self-reliant. Being strong in the Lord means I allow God to fight my battles for me. It means I come under the authority and the submission of Jesus. Y'all with me? I don't fight my battles on my own. I allow Christ to fight my battles. There was a song that, man, it just ministered to me. I was walking, me and Sabrina were riding to Daytona Beach to, to a conference, and we were riding down the road, and, and I just felt this heaviness, thinking about the church, thinking about a lot of you, just, just heavy on me. And, and I get down there, and the first song that plays the guy quotes Isaiah, I think it was 61. He says, to take off the burden, the spirit of heaviness, you got to put on the garment of praise. And we started singing this song, and it says, this is how I fight my battles. Man, the more I sung that song, the more I, the more I really stood into that, guess what? A burden started lifting off of me. I started getting freedom. I, you would have thought that I, I was Pentecostal. I was jumping. I was, man, I was excited. You know why? Because I've been walking in this burden for so long, I forgot what peace felt like. Then when you get freed, then you're just like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. You begin to look back and thank him. See, there's so much more to this than you realize. But to be strong in the Lord means you're strong in the Lord. You're not strong in yourself. Self-reliance is the opposite to faith. When we're self-reliant, we're putting it on us. We're making, we've got to make the right decision. We've got to fix the problem. We've got, I'm a fixer. Anybody else in here a fixer? Anybody? I got to work harder. I got to do this better. I got, one of the biggest things that told me that I could not fix everything was when my marriage was going to hell in a handbasket. I did everything I knew to do. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I know, how, I know my wife. I'm going to fix this. Flowers always work. Brought her flowers. Trash. I'm like, that was $27. I, I, I planned a trip, talked to her boss, the sweetest thing ever. I mean, just new husband of the year award. You know what happened? I ain't going. You might as well go on your own. All these things, I'm trying to fix it. You know what fixed my marriage? Two years of me trying to fix it. I told you, I'm hard-headed. Two years of me trying to fix it. Finally, I got on my knees and said, God, save her or take her. Do something. I don't know what's going on. It's you. And when I gave it to him, what I've been trying to do in two years, he did in two days. 
See, it's, we've got to be strong in the Lord. We've got to bring our stuff to Him. See, our families, our marriages, our finances, you name it, we should bring everything under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we start trying to do anything on our own, it opens a door of opportunity for Satan to slip in. It opens the door. Because what you're saying is, I don't trust God. I trust myself more. We've got to realize that when we are weak, he is strong. Amen? And the only way for him to be strong in us is that through our weakness we go to him. And some of us wonder why we stay in a weak place. He's trying to teach you something, hardhead. Because in our weakness is in which you are strong. When I'm weak, that's when I know I've got to depend on him. There's no way out. There's no way out. So if you want to stop going through the valley so much, you need to start being led by him every day. Amen? That's the reality of things. As a believer, as a follower, there should be no problem, nothing too big, nothing too small. We cannot submit to God. Because you don't know how to fix it, he does. Self-reliance is an enemy to people who are living by faith. We can't be strong in the Lord if we're strong in ourselves. Self-reliance is the opposite of faith. And as long as you continue to handle problems on your own, I'm telling you, you will continue to get the brakes beat off of you by Satan. You will continue to be discouraged. You will continue to have no hope. You will continue to walk in hopelessness. So this morning, I want to ask you a question before we go any further, is this. What areas in your life are you weak in? What areas in your life do you have fear in? Those are the areas of your life in which you need to yield to God. Those are the areas in your life that you got to stop acting so puffed up and so all together. All right, see, a lot of us come to church, and we put on this mask, and it's called our church clothes, right? We put our church clothes on. Nobody's going to know our problems. We've cried all week long. We show up to church on Sunday, our eyes are puffy because we don't know how we're going to get out of this. And the, How you doing today, brother? Oh, man, I'm blessed. Because we're too prideful to admit that we got a problem. We don't want nobody, we want everybody to think we all put together. But when I come, if you would come and be weak and be real, people could pray for you and you could experience the power of deliverance from the Holy Spirit. But we're so puffed up in pride. No amens, huh? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what? I'm telling you, where you're weak is where it's an opportunity, church, for you to see God move in your life. Give your weakness to Christ. Give those things to him. Verse 11. Verse 11 says this. says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Says, be strong in the Lord. Look, you, you got to be strong in the Lord, but you got to put on the armor. See, God knew it was going to be a fight. God knew it was going to be a battle, right? He didn't, he didn't want to leave you exposed, so he gave you tools to put in your toolbox to fight with. And so many of us are getting attacked left and right because we're just exposed every day. The, the tools are there. We got to put them on. We got to put them on, and that takes intentionality, church. You got to be intentional to walk with Jesus. You got to be intentional to put on the armor every single day. Amen? You got to be intentional. You have to, but, but to be intentional, you got to see the need. You got to see the need to put it on. 
I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if people, some, there was people out, outside the school shooting, shooting, M16s everywhere, and I had a stack of bulletproof vests, and I said, everybody's got, we got to evacuate. Who wants to put a bulletproof vest on? You would see the need to put that vest on because you want to save your life. If you want to save your life, you need to see the need to put on the armor of God. Not just one day, but every day. We have to be intentional to fight. See, you, see you gotta, it, it takes intentionality, right? What's the opposite of intentionality? Passivity. The church has been passive for so long. I'll get to that later. I'll do that later. We're procrastinating all these things when the enemy is eating us alive. And passivity is a spirit. We need to pray against the spirit of passivity. And some of you will eat up with it because you don't, you're not pursuing God. You're just going through life, going through the motions. You got to pursue God, be intentional with those things. Verse 13 and 14 says this. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take a stand. You can stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. I, I, you got to understand English, right? Therefore, all right, come on, teachers. If there's a therefore, you need to read back and understand what the therefore is therefore, right? Why is it there? Because of the enemy, because of, because of Satan, because of the attack, therefore, you've got to put on the armor of God to withstand, to stand firm. You can't stand firm in the truth of God if you're not putting on the armor. Amen? So how do we stand firm when all hell's breaking loose at home? How do I stand firm when everything's breaking loose at the house? I got to put on the armor of God. The first thing he says, put on is the belt of truth. To put on the belt of truth. We put on the belt of truth so that we can see how to stand. What is the belt of truth? See, that belt holds everything together. The belt is in the middle of the armor. It held everything in place. See, the belt of truth, the belt of truth, the truth of God's word holds your life together. It puts everything in perspective, puts everything in place, but you won't know how to use the truth if you're not in the truth. Amen? You know why I know that you know that you know this? But you don't pursue it because when you got a problem, the first thing you do is go to Google and type your problem in a scripture and you read that scripture. Now y'all like, I'm not going to smile. He's going to know that I did that. But I know that. You know why? Because I can say I'm struggling with something, and in five minutes, somebody's going to send me a Bible scripture back. And I know they don't know the word. Like, boy, you just got saved. You do not know what that means. You just went and looked on Bible Hub and sent me that. I appreciate the genuineness. But know the word. That's what we do. We have this shallow, shallow, shallow understanding of God's word. We got to put on the belt of truth so that so many people, guys, are, de are deceived by the world and they're confused. And that's why it's so important that, that we stay in the Word of God and understand the Word of God. You know the truth and you live by this truth. Okay? See, if you are walking, man, this is good. If you're walking in the truth of God's Word, everything in your life will be funneled through God's truth. You with me? Everything. 
Everything will be funneled through this. If I want to kill my neighbor, I know, you know what? That's not of God. I can't do that. All these, if all these emotions happen, I want, to, I want to be bitter and mad toward my in-laws, which means, you know, they, they got, I got every right. You know what I mean? But they in-laws, right? I'm playing. I love my in-laws. Now, I love them now. I didn't love them for a long time. But it's Confession Sunday. But the reality is, if I put everything through God's word, if I bring every emotion through God's word, if I bring everything under submission to God's word, that means I can't go wrong because I'm allowing God to work through me and his word to move in me. Amen? That's what it means to put the belt of truth on. But you got to put it on every day. And so many Christians are walking around with their pants down because they didn't put the belt of truth on this morning. And we've got to be intentional with that. I love this because the belt of truth will also show you the truth about you. There's so many Christians, I wonder if their mirrors are broke at home. But there is no way you acting like that and really reading your Bible. There ain't no way. See, my Bible is the mirror for me. And I can't read it without being convicted of my own self. So I can't condemn you if I'm not being condemned by my own actions. Y'all with me? I, I know judgmental Christians. I know people want to point out your fault fast, but they ain't looking at theirs because they ain't got the belt of truth on. See, the belt of truth is so important, church. We have to use God's word and replace it with the lies of Satan. That's the belt of truth. You've got to understand, Satan's going to lie to you every day. Satan's going to try to get your mind off of the things of God. And you have to replace the lies with truth. But you can't replace it with truth if you don't know the truth. Satan's going to try to keep you discouraged. Satan's going to try to make you doubt. But you have to replace the, lie, replace the lies with truth. That's what it means when putting that belt on. We, got, we have to use God's word and replace the lies of Satan. Many of us, we believe, we've believed lies our whole entire life. That's why it's so important to understand who you are in God, your identity wrapped up in Jesus. Because if your identity is in who you are, what everybody else thinks, then when their opinion of you changes, your self-worth changes. Instead of realizing that God loved you from the beginning of time, he knew you before you were even created, he knew your mess before he even created you, and he created you anyway because he loves you. Not dependent upon your mistakes. Not dependent upon your failures. That's love right there. That's acceptance right there. That's the way you fight against the feeling of not feeling worthy. Of realizing that I am now, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a child of God. Whoo, that's exciting. Anybody struggle with that? You need to shout. Man, that's amazing to me. I felt, I, I felt unworthy. I felt like I, hadn't, I wasn't no good. I felt those things. And many people told me those things. But you know what? When I started putting my thinking under authority of God's word, I began to realize that they were just being used by Satan to come and, use and, and come against me so that I wouldn't fulfill the purpose that God had chose for me. And so many of you have been listening to the lies of Satan for so long that you don't even know what the right voice is. And the only way you're going to, dic you're going to understand and be able to dictate the the, the voice of God from the voice of the enemy is to get in God's word and realize if it's against God's word, then it is the voice of the enemy. You need to tell it to shut up and get out and leave you in your house alone. But you can't do that if you're not in God's word. 2 Corinthians 10, 15 says, take every thought captive, right? 
those who are in Christ Jesus. But you can't take every thought captive if you don't know where the thought's coming from. So many of us are just, we have all these thoughts, all these thoughts. You can't think a thought captive if you don't know how to replace it with something. I was telling somebody this the other day. I, when I first got saved, I was trying to be intentional with changing the way I thought. And, and so I, I, was struggling with, I, was, I was struggling with lust. I was struggling with these things. And so when I was teaching the boys and youth, look, you see a pretty woman, bounce your eyes, which is that's important. That's a good truth to have. But see, as an adult, I'm going all these places and I'm, I'm bouncing my eyes. I'm, and I look like I got Tourette's. I mean, I'm just bouncing my eyes. I'm going all over the place. Because I, I I'm not replacing that with anything. I'm just bouncing my eyes. I'm not replacing the lie with the truth. I'm realizing, Jeremy, you don't need that. You need, to, you need to look at that woman as a woman of God, as, as my child or made in my image. Stop looking there like she's something to have. She's my child. When I started replacing those lies with the truth, guess what? The desire to lust got gone. But as long as I was just bouncing my eyes, I just looked like an idiot. And Satan was laughing because I wasn't gaining any ground. I was just spinning my wheels. See, so many of us stay oppressed because we're living, because we're not living in the truth that can set you free. You can't live in sin and have the belt of truth on. So maybe the first step that you need to take to get out of the sinful situation you're living in is to put on the belt of truth every morning because when you put the belt on, the next thing he'll do is show you how to take the steps to get out of it. So many of us live in places that we shouldn't live. We live in a place of destitute. We live in a place of, of, dis, of confusion, and we don't know how to get out. You put the belt of truth on, he'll, put, he'll show the path to you to get out of it. But it starts with putting on the belt. The next thing he says is put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? So you got to understand, this, this breastplate that he says put on, it, is, it covers you from your neck to your belt. It covers you from here to here. It, it's... it's it's, it's a metal pieces of armor made up of all kind of little metal plates sewn together with, with chains and different things so that not one inch of it is exposed. It says the breastplate of righteousness. I, I, this is amazing to me. I love this. It's when we are the are righteous people, right? We're fleeing from sin and we're grabbing a hold of holiness. That's what we're doing. We're righteous and that's what we do. But Satan, he's the accuser, so he wants to accuse you. He wants to accuse every man and woman in here that's, that's, that's living or trying to live the God of their life, not in the power of the Spirit. When you're trying to live it without the power of God, you're walking around without the breastplate on. You don't have any protection. So he's trying to throw darts at you. He's trying to hurt you. He's trying to harm you. If you don't have it on, you're walking around vulnerable. See, the breastplate of righteousness And I love this. The breastplate of righteousness is this. When we are born again, we have the righteousness of Christ. We are covered by Jesus. We are covered by the righteousness of Christ. When, when God sees us, he sees us as righteous. But the only way to live in that righteousness is we have to apply that to our life and live a holy life, pursuing righteousness. You're not righteous because Jesus covered you. You're righteous because He's covered you, and you're walking in that righteousness. See, if you're not walking in the righteousness of God, if you're not walking and pursuing holiness, then you're walking without the breastplate on. 
You're walking uncovered. You're walking in a way that's not pleasing to God. That's why it's so important that you walk out what you say you believe. Because you're not walking out what you say you believe, then you're opening up a place for the enemy to attack you. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Y'all with me this morning? Start seeing some of you doze off, I'm going to slide up there on you and tap you on the shoulder. You got to understand, the life we live, either, it either reinforces us against attacks of Satan or it makes us more vulnerable to attacks of Satan. I want you to grab a hold of this. I just said it. I want you to, want you to grab a hold of this because it's very important. In Christ, I have the righteousness of Christ. But without practicing righteousness in my daily life, I open myself up to opportunities for attack. That's so, so important. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness every day makes you aware of your commitment to Christ. To pursue Christ's likeness. When I get up in the morning and I say, Lord God, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I remember my commitment to be holy. I remember my commitment to walk away from sin. I can't, ooh, I can't stay in sin and put on the breastplate. It don't work. Because if you're going to put on the breastplate and say, God, I'm going to walk a holy life, I can't live in a sinful situation. I can't pursue bitterness. I can't be hateful if I'm walking in the light. It's the intentionality of putting those things on. And some of y'all, y'all got to be intentional with putting them back on at lunchtime. Because you put it on in the morning and you get to work and you get all bent out of shape, you take it off. You got to be intentional with putting it back on. The breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15 says this. It says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Feet fitted. Your feet are ready. You're ready. You're putting on these shoes that are ready. See, these, the, the, the shoes that, they, that, the, that the soldiers had, they were like sandals, but they had knobs on them so they would grip the ground. And they could, when they planted their feet, they were stern. You couldn't push them. They were standing firm. You got to put the sandals on. You got to put the shoes on fitted with readiness. Are you ready to go out into the world and tell them the goodness of Jesus? Are you ready to be the witness God's called you to be? The readiness of our feet. When you've got your feet planted with the readiness of the gospel, it means that you understand God's mission and you're ready to take his message out to the world around you. He talks about the gospel of peace. It's the promotion of forgiveness. No matter the situation, not holding on to things, not being selfish, Forgiveness shows that you trust God's ultimate plan. And you got to be ready. Ooh, you got to be ready to give forgiveness. You got to be ready to extend forgiveness. You got to be ready to walk in the gospel of peace. Man. And I know some of you are overwhelmed at this moment. You're like, oh, dear Lord, how am I going to do that? Submit more of your life to Jesus. You know, there's an elephant in the room. I want to talk about it right quick. We live in a very small town. Those of you, that, if you live in a surrounding town, guess what? You live in a small town. And in small towns, everybody don't know your business. They think they know your business. And it's so easy to get hung up on what everybody's going to think. It's so easy to get hung up on how this one hurts you because you know what it's so easy 
I won't be honest with you. There for a while, there wasn't one place that I could go. There wasn't one event that I could go to that I didn't see someone who hurt me. I'm talking hurt me deep. And eventually it got me to where I didn't want to go anywhere because I didn't want to face that. You know why? Because I was trying to fight my battles myself. The only way for me to be a good little boy in Christ, I got to stay home because you know if I go out, the redneck in me gonna come out and I might come unglued on somebody. So I might need to just stay home. And the reality is this, it don't matter where you live, there's always somebody gonna be throwing shade at you. But it's up to you and I, who say we believe what we say we believe, to walk in the readiness of the gospel of peace. To promote peace, even when they're trying to, pro trying to call war on your, on your life. Even when, they, when they're trying to attack your integrity, even when they're trying to attack who you are as a person, you walk in the gospel of peace and you stand firm in that and God will shame them one day. It's not for you to fight your battles. He fights your battles. So stop fighting for acceptance with everyone else and pursue God because the more you pursue God, the more he will shame your enemies because we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from it. Amen. Now we got to get a hold of this church. Because we're powerless, because we're holding on to things that don't matter. We're holding on to things that, that, that we cannot change, but only God can. We're, we're, we're in discouragement. We're holding, Satan is beating the brakes off of the church because we are allowing him. He's in our head. He's in our thoughts. But we won't back up and say, shut up, because I got the word of God. I just put on the breastplate of righteousness this morning. I'm not going to go back that way again because I got the breastplate on. I've got the belt of truth on this morning. I've got the feet ready to go and share the good news of Jesus this morning. Get behind me, Satan, and shut your mouth. We don't have bold men and women of God like that because we are allowing Satan to dictate everything we do. And he has charmed the church to making us think that we are not powerful. And you are the most powerful thing on the planet if you are just exercise what God has given you. You can bring change to your home. You can bring change to your family. You can bring change to the dysfunction that you lived in your whole life if you will stand firm on the Word of God. If you will just reject the lies the enemy is telling us and be real and be authentic because God has given us power in the name of Jesus. He gives you the tools to have victory over Satan. It is amazing to me why we just remain to stay quiet. We remain to be in the corner. I'm tired of standing in the corner, church. And though no one go with me, I still will follow. Because I know he's got my back. And we've got to have that mentality. I'm laying this down for him. See, one of the things Unforgiveness is where the enemy loves to invade in a believer's life. Unrepentant sin will give Satan the legal right to invade. And if it, that's why it's so important that we put on these shoes ready to forgive, ready to promote peace in every aspect. That's the thing. I sat down with a pastor this week and I told him, the, I feel like the reason God won't move in our community is because we as churches are holding grudges because we're trying to build our own kingdom instead of his kingdom. And until we get over ourselves, God ain't going to move. And he 
said, you're exactly right. You know what? It's important for us as leaders in the community to put on the feet, the, the shoes, and promote peace. But we stay so offended we don't do that. And I'm not talking about just pastors. God wants to use you to bring unity to your community, but you've got to stop being so offended and be intentional. And we'll close on this, verse 16. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flames and the arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. See, in addition to all this, he says, put on the shield of faith. The Roman soldiers would have this shield and what's cool about this shield is it wasn't this big metal. It, it had metal in it, but it, it had fibers of, of cotton and fibers of things that, that would, when, when an arrow was shot at that was on fire, it would hit it and it would be repelled. It wouldn't come through. And you know what would happen when, they would, when the army was fighting and they would draw back their arrows and they would fling a hundred arrows at this army? He would get his brother. Come here, come here, Scotty. Come here, come here. They would get his brother. And we're fighting. And here comes the arrows, and I got the shield of faith, and we bow down together, and we got the shield up, and it's blocking both of us. Because we got faith, and it's blocking it. He's got his faith, he's got his shield up, I got my shield up, and we're protecting each other under the shield. You're good. See, that's what we got to do. That's why Connect Group is so important. That's why doing life with the people is so important. Because you have vulnerable, vulnerable spots, but if my faith and your faith together will, will close the gap, and you can't do life on your own. The shield of faith is that God gives us that to put it on. We got to have the faith. We got to also use it to hold it up. When Satan's trying to throw stuff at you, put it up. He says the helmet of salvation. It allows me to be aware that Christ should be dominating my thinking. Many attacks we may face can be won if I instantly would grab a hold of who I am in Christ and my identity. Last thing says the sword of the Spirit. Again, here is the power in God's Word. The power in God's Word. It brings life to us. It helps us kill things in our life that are not in Him. We've got to teach this younger generation church how to fight we got to teach them how to fight with God's word not fight with guns not fight with, with hands but fight with God's word we got to teach them if we don't teach them who will and in verse 18 talks about praying in the spirit see we can put on the armor, but if we don't have energy to walk, we can't walk in it. Praying gives you energy in the spirit to walk in victory. Y'all with me? It's through prayer that I get power to overcome the enemy. Confident in prayer will release the power of Jesus in our situation. Are you confident in your prayers? Are you confident that God's hearing you? See, confidence helps you step with a little, 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 bolder step. It helps you walk out in situations. You got to have confidence in God. Where there's an absence in prayer, church, there's a presence of pride. Because when we're not praying, we're trying to do it on our own. 
We cannot pray and still be self-reliant. Those who are strong in the Lord have spent the most time with the Lord. And church, I'm telling you, God has given us all these tools to fight with, but you got to put it on. And we fight, we fight a real enemy. And the only way to attack that enemy is through the gospel. The only way you're going to win in life is through the gospel and in walking in that reality. The salvation in Jesus Christ gives you the availability and the ability to defeat the devil. But you have to walk. When you're saved, you're walking worthy of your salvation. Amen? We have to be intentional with those things. And so many of us are defeated because we don't know We don't know if we're saved or not. We don't know what's going on. We, 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 we have not really given our life to God in a way. We haven't truly really submitted our life to Jesus. And if you've not truly surrendered and submitted your life to Jesus, you ain't really saved. You're not really saved. You can't be saved. In any language you understood through that. It is through submission to Christ that saves you. Not a prayer, not a baptism. Because your submission proves that your commitment was for real. And so if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I've been really, if I have really submitted my life to Christ. I don't know if I really have. I've been, I've went through the motions, but I don't. I don't follow Jesus. I follow what I want to do. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, raise your hand so we can pray over you and lead you to Jesus. And I do that every week, and I feel like people lie every week. But if your life is not submitted to God, then you need to evaluate where you are because there is a real devil that's coming to destroy your life, that's trying to kill your potential, trying to keep you suppressed if you're not hungry for God you need to come and ask for hunger because Satan has taken away your taste for godly things church if you're struggling in a relationship you need to come and bring it to the presence of God if you're struggling with anything in your life if you got to fight the enemy with the gospel church and the gospel demands surrender so we have to give those things to him what area in your life have you been trying to hang on to? What area in your life have you been trying to handle yourself? What area in your life do you realize right now that you need to give up and give it and put it under the authority of God? What area in your life do you need to give? What is Satan trying to get in and rip out of your life? What doubts are you having all the time? What fears do you wake up in the middle of the night having? What do you need to give to God this morning so that Satan has no legal right in your life? It is not. It is not. You listen to me. It is not the will of God for you to stay oppressed. It is the will of God for you to be set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God and I have been set free, church. So don't you sit there and say, I'm good. 
If God's dealing with you, deal with it. If God's moving in your heart, let's do this thing because there's more at stake here than your pride. There's more at stake here than what people think of you. It is your eternity. It is your relationships. It is your family. It is all these things. It is what God has planned for your life that is at stake. And if you sit still, Satan will sit there and steal it from you. And I'm not mad at you, but you gotta understand that if we don't get a hold of this, there's generations of people beyond us that will suffer. Me and Sabrina would ride home one day. And I told her, I said, you know what, if we and you don't get this thing right, pacing is gonna suffer. I want my youngin. I pray every week. That my little boy. He's got his feet fastened with the readiness of the gospel and he's winning little kids to Jesus in kindergarten. But he won't do that if I'm not pouring that into him. My family will only be what I'm pouring into him. Church, I'm telling you, we are distracted and we are distraught and we are confused because Satan has got us thinking the wrong things. So I'm going to shut up now. And if God's moving in your heart, do business with if you realize that you really you need intense prayer, I will be here to pray with you. Let's do business. And let's do things God's way. Let's stand. Father, God, I come to you right now. And I just, I just pray, God, for your humility and your peace and your grace to flood us, Lord. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would enable us to feel the grace that you've given us. That you would enable us, God, to feel the peace that you've given us. And God, that... God, give us the boldness to cry out, Abba, Father. Give us the boldness to cry out and say, God, I need you. Because, Lord, I know that there's a, oh, that a father, when he hears the cries of his children, will come and come to their rescue, God. So, Lord, I know there's so many people in this room that are struggling. There's been, they've been hearing the voice of the devil. They've been hearing the voice of the demonic in their lives every day. You're never going to make it. This isn't going to happen. But God, I pray today that you would come in like a flood. And in their, as they cry out, God, you would show them that you are the Redeemer, that you are the one that sets us free. God, change us today in Jesus' name.